Did you bring your Bible tonight? If you didn't, the ushers have extra Bibles. Raise your hand high if you didn't bring a Bible tonight. They'll be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's go to 2 Peter, the third chapter. 2 Peter 3. I was going to teach on this, uh, was it two weeks ago, and couldn't even read the text. Wound up with something else. So we'll see how it goes tonight. But it, it is good. I, I believe you need to get this at some point. So maybe we'll just keep on till we get it. <laughs> I know uh, when I first started preaching and teaching, the Lord would direct me different than how I had thought and prepared. And I'd say, well, this is not my message, but, and I'd spend 30 minutes on it. Well, this is not my message, but this is not my, I must have said that. I reckon I said it so many times that the Lord got tired of hearing it. Because <laughs> one day I said that, and while I'm speaking, he spoke to my heart. I don't mean to hurt a voice, but inside me. He said, son, if I say that's your message, that's your message. <laughs> I thought, right. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so even though, and this is not just for preachers, even though we prepare, don't be stuck to your plan. If you're going to be led by the Spirit, you got to be open. You got to be flexible. You got to be willing to make changes, go a different direction than how you thought or how you planned and spent money on and put deposits down. And <laughs> You know, uh, the, the scripture tells in the Old Testament of a king who had hired an army for a huge amount by today's Stand, of course, you can imagine one nation hiring another, an army from another nation. Huge expense, millions. And uh, A man of God, the Lord sent a prophet to him and said, uh, if, you, if you let them go with you, you'll be defeated. And he said, well, what am I going to do for all this money, these millions of dollars that I spent? And the, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, the Lord's able to give you much more than this. Amen. That was the word. Amen. What does that mean? Lose it. Why? Well, maybe you'll pray more next time before you <laughs> before you get into that and do all that. But just because you got money into it uh, is not going to help for you to go on and miss God now and follow the thing through. So uh, that is a word for somebody here tonight. And I got money in it. That is not the whole story. You're better off losing some money than missing God. You may think, well, you know, yeah, it may cost me a little bit. No, it it can cost you a lot more than you even know. So no, just uh, if you've made some mistakes and and got some things set up and spent some money and done some things and realized you missed God, humble yourself. Admit you've missed God. Turn loose of it. Let it go. Lose it if that's what it is. God is able to give you much more than that. That's the scripture. That's the word of the Lord. Uh, Second Peter, did you find it? Second Peter, the third chapter. You know, the Lord loves us so much. He moves in special ways to help us and protect us and spare us. Second Peter 3 and verse uh, 16. Talking, well, well verse, uh, the latter part of 15 Uh, Peter was talking about, he said, our beloved brother Paul. You know, that's a nice way to refer 
for one man of God to refer to another man of God? Isn't it? Our beloved brother, brother Paul. Also according to the wisdom given to him has written unto you. And also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do all the other scriptures unto their own destruction. The Amplified says, the ignorant and unstable twist and misconstrue to their own utter destruction. Just as they distort and misinterpret the rest of the scriptures. The Weiss translations say they, uh, those who are unlearned and lacking stability distort from their proper meaning as they do the rest of the scriptures. So back then, and that's the way it is today, there are people who twist scriptures. They do it, some of them out of ignorance, and some of them because they're unstable, <laughs> the scripture says. Ignorant and unstable, but it's happening that people take scriptures and twist them to make them say something that they did not say and did not mean. And this, is, this has happened entirely too much. And the result is that good people are robbed of their faith. They hear this and come to believe this and it's not right, but they think, well, it's the scripture. But it's not the scripture. You know, just because somebody quoted a verse or read a verse doesn't mean everything they said about that verse for the next 20 minutes is true. (laughs) Which is why you ought to read your chapter every day and you ought to trust the Holy Ghost in you because the more you know the scripture, the harder you are to be deceived and led astray. Because somebody will start saying this scripture means this and you'll think of four that say something else. And you'll think, no, that can't mean that because the scriptures agree. How do you rightly divide the word of God? How do you rightly divide scripture? With other scriptures. Where do you find the answer to Bible questions? In the Bible. (laughs) I know that's simple, but people are are missing, you know, so many doctrines would have never been developed, would have never been taught and preached if the ministers would have just taken the time to read the chapter before them and after them. (laughs) So people twist scriptures. Um, And the result is, verse uh, 17, he said, you therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things, Beware lest you being led away from the, with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. If you listen to these things, even though you were steadfast in a thing, you can be led away with their erroneous logic and their twisted reasoning. You get to listening to it and come to believe it and it's not right, but then you give up something that you were believing in. Instead of that, you need to grow in grace, he said, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we begin some time back uh, talking about this, th- this kind of thing happening in the area of healing. Because uh, there are a lot of people 
good church going people who don't believe it's God's will for them to be healed necessarily or it's not always God's will for his people to be healed. There are millions more believe that than what we believe around here. We believe it's God's will for all to be healed. Period. Everybody. Everywhere. From anything. And people say, well, if it's God's will for everybody to be healed, then they'd be healed. And they're obviously not healed, so it must not have been his will. Well, you could say that about salvation. Couldn't you? Well, if it's God's will for everybody to be saved, they'd all be saved. The Bible did say it's not his will that any should perish. Is everybody born again? Hmm? Is everybody that's dying and leaving this planet, are they all saved and born again? No. So things are happening that are not the will of God. Just because it's God's will for everybody to have it doesn't mean they're going to have it. We have something to do with it. And one of the big things that we have to do with it is our faith. And you're not going to be in faith for something that you're not sure is the will of God. And so you can see the enemy's purpose. He doesn't have to get you totally persuaded against it. If he can just get you asking questions and wondering and wavering, well, then you're not going to be in faith. You're not going to be believing. You're not going to be expecting. So you must If you're going to receive a healing, you must be persuaded beyond all question and doubt that it is God's will for me to be healed now. Why don't you just say that out loud? If you hadn't said it before, try it out. (laughs) Say it out loud. It is the will of God God for me to be healed healed now. Now. Thank you, Lord. It is. Yeah, but they're not be not, and yeah, but I'm not, and yeah, but they're not. Well, there's people not saved. That's right. Just because somebody's not enjoying something doesn't mean that that condition is the will of God. There's a lot of things happening down here that's not the will of God. And one of the uh, biggest reasons why is because men and women have a free will and have chosen to do something different than what he has told us to do And as a result is the pain and suffering and misery and death. The wages of sin is what? Is death. But you can take that same will and choose to believe him. And trust him. And for that person, all things are possible. To him and her that believes. The scripture said. You heard Phyllis announcing uh, Miracle and Healing Night. Uh, What happens on Miracle and Healing Night? Miracles and healings. You watch and see. You just watch and see. Miracles. We'll have miracles. And healings. You think so, brother? No, I don't think so. No. We'll have them. Watch and see. You can have some in here tonight. (laughs) But what if it's not God's will? It's always God's will. Always. I know... uh, I got filled with the Spirit decades ago talking in other tongues. Well, there was a Pentecostal lady that was trying to talk to me about it, and she wasn't, she was a bit contentious. Uh, I'll say it like that. She said, uh, You think 
you can just talk in tongues anytime you want to. You can just start right now and talk in tongues. I said, yep, I did it earlier today. She said, no, 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 no. You can't just turn the Holy Ghost off and on when you decide to. I'd never thought this before. Just came right up in my spirit. I said, he's always on. (laughs) He's always on. Did you know that? Not a matter of turning him off and on. He's uh, even when you're asleep, he's on. He never sleeps. He never stops. He's always on. And anytime you'll step out by faith and yield to him, he'll give you utterance. You know, healings that way. Miracles are that way. Come on, think about it. People being born again. Do you have to wait and say, well, you know, God's not saving people today. Come back tomorrow. Tuesday is salvation day. No, isn't he always on? He's always on. People can be born again anywhere, anytime. They're not waiting on God. Well, if it's true concerning the most important thing, why wouldn't it be true concerning these other things? It is. He's ready to heal anywhere, anytime. Miracles anywhere, anytime. You might say, well, why y'all have a, a miracle and healing night on that special night? That's for us to stir our faith up. That's for us. I believe the Lord directed me to do it. But that's for us to feed our faith and stir our faith up and release our faith. And and when we do, God will move and he'll do things. But we can't say he wasn't ready to do it the week before. (laughs) It was us (laughs) that needed to get more ready. Not him. He's always on. Always on. (laughs) Anytime you'll believe him. He'll manifest. Anytime you'll yield to him, he's always on. So we begin talking about these questions and things that people teach, that they twist, that rob good people of their faith. We talked about the question, does God make people sick? And we looked at numerous scriptures that seemed to say that he did. We've covered a lot of ground. If you weren't here and you're interested in that, uh, go back in the Word Supply and get you a DVD or CD. It won't cost you anything. If you're watching online, download it for free. No charge to you. Uh, we talked about, what about Job? Job's boils. We talked about the chastening of the Lord. We talked about suffering for the glory of God. We, we've looked at these scriptures and talked about them at length. And so if you've got questions about this, don't let that rob you of your faith for God to heal you. Get in the book. Get in the scriptures. It'll answer it. Once you see it, it'll be obvious to you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God is a good God. Yes, he is. He's a healing God. Yes, and he wants you healed. Amen. Now, yes. don't believe anything else. Well, let's go to another one tonight. Here's one that has, uh, has robbed millions Of their faith to be healed. What about Paul's thorn? What about. Well you know Paul. He had a thorn in his flesh. And you're not better than him. And he tried to get God to heal him. And the Lord said no. Uh, My glory shows up better. When you got this sickness in your flesh. 
Now you're shaking your head, but did you know that the majority of modern translations actually say that? I'm about to read them to you. So it's no wonder that some people are confused. But I'm telling you, this is a twisting of Scripture. This is making it say something that it did not say. Well, if it didn't say that, what did it say? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Go to 2 Corinthians. (laughs) 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and let's look at this. Y'all are an easy bunch to preach to. I sure appreciate it. I've been with folks that wasn't so easy to preach to. and I know the difference. <laughs> 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. What are we talking about? Paul's thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians uh, 12, we just start in verse 1. Um, I better back up some. In the 11th chapter, about midway, he began describing to them the things he had been through. In verse 23, he said, uh, labors, stripes, prisons, death, being beaten, uh, stripes, and with rods. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods, once was I stoned, three times I've been shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day in the deep, journeyings, perils. Of the robbers, countrymen, heathen, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, with false brethren, weariness, painfulness, watchings. He talks about all the things that he's been through in serving the Lord. Now something that is conspicuous for its absence is disease. <laughs> it's a pretty long list, but you won't find disease in there. Somebody says, well, the pain's in there. Sure is. But you can have pain without having a disease. Now the 12th chapter, verse 1, he said, It's not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I'll come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knows such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Did you know you're not a body? We know one another up in heaven. If you know them down here, you will. How can you be so sure? Brother? Because you're going to be you. And they're going to be them. Well, what if I change into an angel? Not going to happen. <laughs> not down here. Not up there either. That actually would be a demotion. God's created us in a higher class. We're the sons of God. We we don't even know what that is. But we're going to find out. We're going to rule and reign with him. The Bible says we are going to judge the angels. Have you read that? You may not feel like you're in shape to do that now, but... Give you a couple of thousand years. You and I are going to look different. Sound different. Uh, he said he couldn't tell whether in the body or out of the body. You are not a body. You have a body. You're living in this body right now. But you can live without this body. 
You can exist with that. Now, you can't stay on the planet. You lose your earth suit. Be like losing your space suit. <laughs> can't stay in space without a space suit. And you can't stay on earth without an earth suit. You'll have to leave. If you're saved, you go up. If you're not, you go down. But uh, it was so real, he couldn't tell whether he was in the body or out of the body. Think about that now. You're going to have all your faculties, just like if you're in the body, when you're out of the body. Now he goes on to tell about what happened in this experience. Caught up into paradise, heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one I will glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. Somebody say infirmities. Now we're going to be talking about this word quite a bit. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be, or that he hears of me. And lest I should be exalted. Everybody say exalted. Above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. There was given to him what? Now we're going to see this uh, later on, but let me encourage you. Be watchful and respectful of the word of the Lord. What do I mean by that? Read it carefully. Say what it says. Not what you think it means. This is how people twist the scriptures. Is they don't stay with what he said. They decide it means this. And yet it's not there. They just decide that's what it meant. And so then they teach it like that's what it said. But it never said that. I was talking to Phyllis about this a little bit this week. Faith people uh, have made mistakes in this area quite a bit. You cannot trust God to do for you beyond what he said he would do. Well, I'm just going to believe God to do this. Did he tell you he would do that? Well, I'm just going to believe he will. You can't. (laughs) You can try. But you can't. It'd be like you saying, I believe Brother Keith is going to come cut my grass next week. (laughs) Well, did Brother Keith tell you he's going to cut your grass? Nah. Hadn't talked to him about it. But I'm just going to believe that he is. Based on what? Well, all things are possible to him that believes. And I'm believing that he will. And if I'm really believing, he'll have to, whether he wants to or not. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. I ain't coming. (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. And God will make him. Did the Lord tell you he would make me come get cut your grass? Did he tell you he would tell me to do it? No. Then you got no basis for faith with either one of us. Are y'all with me, friends? This is where people have gotten in trouble. They're claiming stuff and saying stuff and believing stuff to happen. The Lord never told them. Now when I say never told you, he either told you by his holy written word or he told you by his spirit. And if he told you by his spirit, it's going to be in line with what he said in the word. 
Because the same Holy Spirit. But this is how people, they do stuff, and sometimes they mean well, sometimes it's in ignorance, but they step out to do things, and they fall, and they falter and fail, and they go, I don't understand, I was believing. Yeah, but the Lord didn't tell you to do that. Do you remember that the enemy took Jesus up on the pinnacle of the temple? Told him to jump off. What? To show his faith. Because it's written. He'll give his, quote scripture. It's written. He'll give his angels charge over you. They'll bear you up in their hands lest, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Just believe that they'll do it. What did the Lord say? It's also written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's why you need to know more than one verse. (laughs) How did he rightly divide Psalm 91 about the angels protecting you with other scripture that said don't tempt the Lord? He rightly divided. See the enemy, what was the enemy trying to do? Help me out. Twist. Was he twisting that scripture to try to make it mean something and say something that the Lord didn't say and didn't mean? And how was the master able to not be sucked in by that and deceived by that? Because he was knowledgeable of other scripture. And so he judged that in the light of this other scripture and and did not jump. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. How many remember that in Revelation he talked about if you add to the words of this, these curses will be added to you. If you take away from this, your name will be taken out. Man, this is serious. Should we show respect for what the Lord has said? And so many times what we need to show is some humility. When people say, what did he say? And you say exactly what he said. What does that mean? And you need to say, I don't know. I don't know that yet. But I know it said this. Well, what does that mean? I'm believing for him to show me what that means. But see, so many are too proud to say that. They have to come up with an explanation, and in so doing, they twist it because of their ignorance, because of their instability. You've seen the illustration of how you set a, a line of people in chairs, and you're going to whisper to this guy something, he's going to whisper it to the next guy, and they're going to pass it all the way down. Have you seen that example? And the guy on the end shares what it was, and it's totally different than what they told the guy. How did it become totally different? Because somebody told the next person what they thought he meant instead of what he said. Oh, are you listening, friends? That's disrespectful. That's dishonoring. It's being, you know, proud and taking liberties that you don't have a right to take. What did the Lord say? Thorn in the flesh. Let's read some other translations. The new century says, it's painful for me to read these, but I will. The new century translation says, so that I would not become too proud of the wonderful things that were shown to me. A painful physical problem was given to me. Is that what it said? These are scholars, supposedly. (laughs) I've looked up every one of these words. 
I've done it numerous times over the past 25 years. Because what I did for 15 years was teach healing school every day. I have heard about Paul's thorn many times. I want them about Paul's thorn. After a while you want to go, <laughs> enough with the Paul's thorn. What about Jesus' stripes? But, you know, people will take something they don't understand and use it as an excuse not to believe something you could easily understand. And it's a trick of the enemy. Today's English version. Today's English version says, To keep me from being puffed up with pride because of the many wonderful things I saw, I was given a painful physical ailment which acts as Satan's messenger to beat me and keep me from being proud. Wow. Easy to read translation says, I must not be too proud of the wonderful things that were shown to me. So a painful problem was given to me. An angel from Satan sent to make me suffer so that I would not think I'm better than anyone else. And the story goes on as they interpret it that he begged the Lord, please make it leave, please make it leave. And the Lord said, no, I like it better when you have this physical pain. I get more glory. Now see some of you shaking your head and I'm glad that you are. But millions of people believe some form of this. Millions. Millions believe some form of this. And it is robbing people of their faith. Right and left. Let's go back. The King James translation, I mean I wouldn't call it perfect. But I think they did make a heroic effort to stay to the text. And if you'll read things like literal, Young's literal translation and some of these Greek to English transliterations, you'll see that a lot of times it's good. Uh, beware of paraphrases. A paraphrase is not a translation. And a lot of these modern translations should say paraphrase. Because the, the scholars got together and they read the uh, original text and they decided what it meant and put down in English what they thought it meant. That's being irresponsible. I said that's being irresponsible. To be faithful, you use the word the Lord used whether it makes sense to you or not. Whether you understand it or not, you use the word he used. And you don't add to it, and you don't take from it. Let's read the King James again, and then we'll, we'll look closer at it. What happened? There was given to me what? A what? A physical sickness. Now, uh, some people don't do this, but because of what I was doing, I thought I should delve into it back years ago, and I read from a lot of commentators and a lot of things, and there is a whole volume of information out there about what this was. Several scholars put together this passage with Galatians 4, which talks about that when Paul was with them, they would have taken out their eyes and given them to him. And surmised that Paul actually had a rare oriental eye disease, ophthalmia. 
and that it had degenerated to the point where he was almost incapacitated. Now how he preached the gospel to the known world in this condition, we don't know. But that when he was standing trying to preach to people that his eyes were inflamed and pussed up. And one author said unspeakable matter was discharging from his eyes. And he begged God to heal him. And the Lord said, no, uh, my glory is shown more in you in this condition. Now, I know a lot of you don't believe that. But millions do. If they don't believe exactly that, they believe some form of it. That God would get more glory, you know, that you'd beg him and you'd want to be healed and you'd want to be delivered. But some way or another, we just don't know. His ways are mysterious. And some way or another, if he's going to get more glory out of me being infirm or handicapped or distorted or twisted some way or diseased, then I want to give him glory. Well, that's a good desire. But is a work of the devil that incapacitates you and hinders you from fully serving God and being a blessing to your family going to glorify God? How's that going to? And if he took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and carried your pain and by his stripes you're healed, how's he going to turn around now and tell you that what he delivered you from, he's going to let you keep to glorify him? It doesn't agree with the other scriptures. And if I really believed it was God's will for me to be sick and to glorify him that way, I'd believe him for grace to submit to it and do it. But I'm not yielding to some stinking work of the devil. When Jesus has delivered me from it, I'm supposed to resist it. Somebody say resist it. I'm supposed to resist it. That's not a sin to be sick. All of us have had challenges and issues and problems, but you still got symptoms. We're just saying don't lay down with it. Don't accept it and say, well, this is my lot in life. God's chosen this. No, no, not true. It's a deception of the enemy. Stand up inside and resist it. And say, no, I'm not going to accept this. I'm going to resist this. I'm going to believe God for a miracle. It is His will for me to be healed. See, there's a lot of things that we have found out is the will of God. Let's take financial prosperity and blessing. A lot of us have begun to find out that God would meet your needs and also bless you. But that don't mean we're on the top rung after three weeks <laughs> or two years. But we're not going to throw it away. We're going to stay after it. And if you haven't seen everything that you desire and know is God's ability and will for you physically, don't quit. Don't give up. Stay after it. And believe him. In fact, say it out loud right now. Just go ahead and pray it out loud. Say, Father God. Father God. What I don't see. Teach me what I don't understand. Reveal to me that I may believe you and receive all that Jesus has paid for for me. Amen. So if you've struggled in an area, it can be something you haven't seen. And the Lord can add something to your faith and you straighten it out, pick you up. And what you've been struggling with for years, you could receive overnight. Do you believe that or not? Just don't quit. Don't give up and don't twist and make new doctrines. Well, it's not God's will for me to be healed because of this, because of that. Let's look at this closely. 
What did Paul have? A what? A what? A thorn. Nothing said about ophthalmia. A what? Thorn. Somebody say thorn. A thorn in the flesh. Now Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew the Old Testament forwards, backwards, and sideways. And in his writings in the New Testament, he quotes the Old Testament frequently, doesn't he? And so, and he's writing again and again to Jews like himself. You know, Gentiles that are going to Jewish synagogues and that have the Jewish influence, sometimes they'd mention that the law is read every Sabbath. And so people kind of had an assumption that you know some of these things. And when he says thorn in the flesh, here's the key to understanding this. Thorn in the flesh. None of those words are literal. It is a figure of speech. It wasn't a literal thorn. And it wasn't talking about literally his flesh. Let me read to you scriptures that will help you get the mentality he was writing from. Numbers 33, 55. Don't try to turn to all these, just jot them down. Numbers 33:55. He said, if you'll not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, it'll come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and will vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Joshua 23:13. Joshua 23:13 says, "No for a certainty, the Lord your God will no more drive out these nations but there'll be snares and traps and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes. Judges 2.3. I said I'll not drive them out from before you. They'll be as thorns in your sides. 2 Samuel 23.6. The sons of Belial, all of them as thorns thrust away. Thorns. Ezekiel 2.6. Son of man, don't be afraid of them. Are afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with you, and you dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words. Now, uh, is he talking about, when he says briars and thorns, he's referring to the Canaanites. That dwell the land that he told them to displace. When he says, there'll be a thorn in your side, is he literally talking about a Canaanite sticking out of your side? Now, I know that sounds funny, but if part of the phrase is literal, the rest of the phrase has to be literal. If flesh is literal, thorn is literal. If thorn is not literal, thorn is figurative, then flesh is figurative. We are well familiar with figures of speech. We have some that correlate close to this. Let me give you a few figures of speech. It's raining cats and dogs. (laughs) Now, theologians did with that phrase what they've done with this. They would have you believe that literally tabbies and alley cats and rottweilers and Labrador retrievers were falling out of the sky. Raining cats and dogs does not refer to a cat or a dog. It's a figure of speech. I've got your back. (laughs) 
does not mean that you have misplaced your spine somehow. And they found it and they have it. (laughs) People say, I've got butterflies in my stomach. I've got butterflies in my stomach. Is butterflies literal? No. Thorn in the flesh. A comparative phrase we have is pain in the neck. (laughs) So and so. Or such and such. (laughs) Is a pain in the neck. But that doesn't mean that they're literally stuck in your neck and causing you pain. Now, I know y'all are intelligent people, so you understand when I say figure of speech what I'm talking about. Figure of speech means none of the words are literal. Figure of speech means it's not literal. So what did Paul have? Let's go back to the text. What did it say he had? A thorn in the flesh. And if you know the Old Testament scripture, you know that phrase has been used many times to describe something that was a constant irritation and a vexation. But it's not literal, it's figurative. What was his thorn in the flesh? We don't have to wonder about it. The very next phrase tells you. And not one word is mentioned about unspeakable pus. What was it? Messenger, an entity, a being sent from Satan to do what? To buffet him, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, Others have twisted the rest of the scripture and say, well, uh, God sent Paul a messenger of Satan so he wouldn't get haughty and lifted up with pride. Something from the devil is going to help me to be humble. (laughs) Come on, now think about it. Satan is the epitome of pride. Isn't he? Yes. Yes. And God, Jesus said, come learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart. God, Jesus, who are the epitome personification of humility, have to use something from the devil to teach Paul how to be humble? The devil's going to help you to be humble? Mm-mm. Does God want us suppressed? Are exalted. The word exalt means lifted up. Now he doesn't want you lifting up yourself. He wants you to humble yourself. But nothing is said about the devil humbling you. You humble yourself. And if you'll humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Come on help me out. He will exalt us. So does he want you exalted or not? Yes. What was this about? It was about revelation. Does God want this revelation out? Yes. 
Or does he want it suppressed? Who is it that doesn't want revelation out? (laughs) Revelation is light. Light of truth. What does the truth do? Make you free. Free from who? Him. (laughs) With us today. Does God want you and I to hide in a corner and keep these rich and wonderful things to ourselves? Or does he want this to get up and get out? Does he want it in every book and on every station and all around the world? Does he want this out? Does he want this message lifted up, made known, shown, revealed? He said this light's not to be put under a bushel. So no. God is not using the devil to help Paul be humble. He didn't say this. But people, and these are some supposedly learned people that have written these translations. But you can see their uh, indoctrination coming through. And instead of saying what he said, they're saying what they've decided it means. So what was the cause of this situation? Revelation. God showed Paul some things. We know a lot of what he showed him. It's Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Hebrews. Does the devil want this out? Does he want you to find out you're the righteousness of God in Christ? And that if you resist him, he'll flee? (laughs) No. No, the devil is scared of people finding that out. So there was an emissary, I mean an entity, personally assigned to Paul to follow him around and to do everything in its power to keep him from getting these revelations, lest he should be made known, lest he and this message should be lifted up where he could get out and get hurt. The enemy wants to push it down, cover it up, stop it. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that everywhere Paul went, He had revival and riot. People paid their own way to follow him around and cause him trouble. He had supernatural trouble. Now we know why. He had a demon personally assigned him, following him around, trying to shut him down, trying to cause him problems. And so Paul besought the Lord. Three times. Come on, read. Keep reading about it. Let's read what he said. Not what people think he meant. You got your eyes on it? Let me turn to it so I'll make sure I get it right. For this thing I besought. What thing? What thing? This messenger of Satan that was a pain in the neck. (laughs) Thorn in his flesh. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And the Lord said, no. No. Sorry. No. No. People have interpreted it that way. What did he say? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now here, here are the operative words. And the same mistake that Paul made with this 
And of course, he didn't have the benefit of the revelation that he's given us in the New Testament. He's learning these things. That's one place he learned it, right there. He tried to get the Lord to make the devil quit. He pled with the Lord to make the devil leave him alone and make the devil stop. And the Lord never told us in the scripture to pray that. Hmm? And millions are misdirecting their prayers by pleading with God to make the devil quit. Pleading with God to make the devil stop. And what did the Lord say? My grace is enough and all you need for you. For you. You don't, let me paraphrase a little bit here, in spite of the use of the word. At least you know I'm paraphrasing. I'm not writing a new translation. Paul, you don't need me to do this. I've given you everything you need to deal with this. My grace is sufficient. Everything you need to stand against this, to resist this, to shut this down, to overcome this, I have given you, you have it. And when you feel like you're not enough, I'll be more. And when you're the weakest, it's when I'll come up the strongest in you. <laughs> oh, glory. this is shouting ground. What a perversion of scripture. That's such a glorious passage that ought to excite us and thrill us and make us stand up and believe we can overcome anything. The devil has twisted so that it robs people of their faith to be healed. Sorry, devil. <laughs> uh, let me read this to you in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, New century version. He said to God said to me. My grace is enough for you. Enough for who? For you. When you're weak. My power is made perfect in you. Today's English version. Today's English version. His answer was my grace is all you need. Oh come on somebody say it. Lord your grace. Is all I need. Now stop. What did Paul think he needed? He thought he needed God to make the devil stop. Didn't he? And millions are making that same mistake. The Lord didn't tell you to beg him to make the devil stop. He told you to resist the devil and he would flee from you. He told you to speak to the mountain and it would obey you. Come on, are you listening? He told you. And he gave you the name above all names. And he gave you the greater one on the inside. And he gave you his grace. Which is all you need. Glory to God. It's all you need. To get up every day and no matter what the devil does. Overcome. Overcome. Triumph. Again and again. He said, my grace is all you need. For my power is greatest when you're weak. And Paul got the revelation. He said, well, glory to God then. (laughs) He quit begging. 
for God to do something about this. It took him three times, but he got it. He quit back. What did he say? He said, gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. Now, some people say, well, it said infirmities there, so he must have been sick. No, no. This is the other part where people mess up. The word infirmity does not mean sickness. I said, well, sure it does, Brother Keaton. No, it does not. No, look it up. The word infirmity literally means weakness. Now, sometimes it's associated with disease because the disease made the person weak. But not always. There are other things that can make you weak. Many have made mistakes equating infirmity with sickness. Let me give you a couple of illustrations while we're in this. Matthew 8, 17. Anybody remember it? Matthew 8, 17. Put it up for us, please. What does it say? That it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our what? Infirmities. And what else did he do? He bore, he bare our sicknesses. Somebody said, well, see there, it's, it's sickness. Now, if it's sickness, why use the other word? Why do you need two different words to say the same thing? No. He took our infirmities. Tell me again, what does it mean? What does infirmity mean? It means weakness. Uh, one literal rendering was strengthlessness without strength. Weak. Romans 8, 26. Put that up for us. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our what? Same word. Same Greek word. As in Matthew 8, 17. Does that mean the Spirit's helping our sicknesses? No, that's not what this passage means at all. What infirmities? What weakness? We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. That's one of our biggest weaknesses. This has got nothing to do with being sick. It's got to do with being ignorant. (laughs) But friend, don't read infirmity and assume it means sickness. It doesn't. It could be a weakness as a result of a sickness, but it can be a weakness as a result of something else. In this case, uh, lack of knowledge. So Paul said, I will glory in my uh, infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ, the anointed one, may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in weaknesses. Now notice the company of the rest of the passage. Reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses. Nothing said about disease. For Christ's sake, why? Because he has just found out that the weaker he gets, the more the Holy Ghost is going to come up, come up in him. He has just found out that God's grace is all he needs. And the weaker he gets, the more power is going to come up in him. That just means the stronger God is going to show up. So he thought, well, ha, glory to God then. I'll glory in my infirmities and challenges and distresses and reproaches because when I'm the weakest, it's when I'm going to be the strongest because the glory of God's going to come up in me and it's all I need. All I need to overcome. Thank you, Lord. Let me read the the Weiss translation and then we'll move on to another part of this. Uh, And this is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 
Weiss translation. He said, he said to me, and his declaration still stands. My grace is enough for you. For power is moment by moment coming to its full energy and complete operation in the sphere of weakness. Greek words, like other words, paint pictures, but particularly so. And that's why the Amplified is the way it is. Weist emphasizes the pictures that the words portray. Therefore, most gladly will I rather uh, boast in my weaknesses, in order that the power of Christ, like the Shekinah glory in the Holy of Holies, will take up its residence in me, working within me, and giving me help. Wherefore, I am well content in weaknesses, in insults, in necessities, in persecutions, in circumstances under which I am subject to extreme pressure on behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am filled with ability and power. So get out of the way, devil. Get out of the way, thorn in the flesh. You are not stopping me from preaching this gospel to the known world. You cannot hold me back. You cannot hold me down. Because his grace is all I need. Glory to God. That is the rest of the story. About Paul's thorn in the flesh. (laughs) Thank you Lord. Go to Galatians, please, the fourth chapter. Now this, people group these two together, but they are not the same. And it's why people have twisted the scripture, wrestled the scriptures into something they didn't mean. Galatians 4 describes a different situation in Paul's life, and it should be treated differently. So we're changing, we're closing the door and going across the hall. And opening another door to another room. Are you with me now? From this point on, I'm not referring to Paul's thorn in the flesh. We've talked about that. Now we're going to begin to talk about his infirmity in his flesh. Not the same thing. Galatians 4. He said in verse 13, he said, You know how through infirmity of the flesh... I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record, if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes. And have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. And he goes on talking to him about some other things. He mentions here. An infirmity. Verse 13 look at it again. You know how through infirmity of the flesh. I preached the gospel to you at the first. And then he mentions uh, things about eyes. And them being willing to pull out their eyes. And. Which is how, like we've already said, some of these other folk took that and they put it with 2 Corinthians 12 and came to the conclusion that Paul had an eye disease. 
No. Thorn in the flesh is not literal. It is a figure of speech. Like pain in the neck. This passage, infirmity in the flesh, is literal. It is not a figure of speech. Tell me what infirmity means. Now see, this is where people get off because they immediately say, well, he said he had a sickness in his flesh. No, he didn't. What did he say? Weakness. Was it in his flesh physically? Yes. Was it literally weak? Yes. This is not a figure of speech. He tells you exactly that the first time he was with them ministering to them, he had a weakness in his flesh, in his body. Now this letter is written to the saints in the region of Galatia. Numerous towns, cities in that region. And if you're familiar with Paul's so-called missionary journeys, you know, a lot of you have maps in the back of your Bible where it shows where he went. And you can see the region of Galatia, there are certain cities. We actually have a record of it in the book of Acts. Of when he went there and some things that happened there. Acts 14 describes when he first came to these people. That's what he said happened at the first. Go to Acts 14, please. Acts 14 and 1. It came to pass in Iconium that they were both together in the synagogue of the Jews. They went both. And so spake that a great multitude, both of Jews and Greeks, believed. Now this is one of the cities in Galatia. The region of Galatia. Iconium. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Now we have insight into why they did that. Don't we? There was a demon. Followed him around. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord. Let me just stop right here. I must have said, ooh, that, that bothers me. A demon? Ooh. And other people, they like the idea because they think, that's it. That's why I've had so much trouble. <laughs> there must be a devil causing me problems everywhere I go. You're missing the point. It doesn't matter. What did Paul learn? Come on, help me out. What did he learn? He said, Lord, make this thing leave me alone. Then he prayed again, Lord, please make this thing leave. Would you make this thing stop? I'm trying to preach here. Third time, Lord, please, please, pretty please. Make this devil stop and leave me alone. And did the Lord say, yeah, because you'll never be able to handle it. I'll have to come in there and do something about it. No, no, no. Basically, what did he say? My grace is sufficient. My grace is all you need. What's he saying? It doesn't make any difference, Paul. The devil has been stripped. He's been defeated. He's been brought to naught. He's under your feet. He cannot stop you. Oh, he can do some stuff. He can stir some dust up. He can influence some people that will yield to him. But it doesn't matter. Because greater is he that's in you than he that all. Somebody say glory to God. Than he that is in the world. 
the greater one's in you. Do not yield to fear. Don't get superstitious. Don't see devils and demons under every rock. They're real. Yeah, they exist. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They couldn't stop us from having a church here. They couldn't stop us from growing. They couldn't stop us from getting the word out. And they won't stop us in the future. Oh, they'll try. Yeah, they'll try. A few people will listen to him, but it won't stop us. Because his grace is all we need. It's sad that so many people are so, what's the word they are? Uh, anyhow, that's how they are. <laughs> Obsessed. And overly impressed with devils and the dark things. And, and they should not give that time of day. They should be thinking about how big the God in them is. Well, there's a devil, there's a devil there. But yeah, there's the Holy Ghost right here. How about that? How about that? <laughs> I think the devil's trying to bother me. Well, make him wish he hadn't. <laughs> Make him wish you to pick somebody else. <laughs> We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We whoop them. And beat them. And then we make them eat it. Not just conquer. More. Yeah, there are demons. Yeah, there's the devil's real. Yeah, he's doing things. But... If you'll believe God and walk in what he's given you, it doesn't matter. He can't stop you. If he could, he'd be bigger than God. He's not. Not even close. So he can't. <laughs> Let me see if you got that response now. Ooh, there's devils. Ooh, there's that. Ooh, that. Ooh, ooh. Come on, help me out. What do you say? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Holy Ghost is here. He's here. And if he's here, ain't nobody in the room bigger than him. He's here. Thank you, Lord. The Holy Ghost is here. The mighty Holy Spirit who hovered over the face of the deep when God said, light be. He's here. He's here. He's here in this room. He's here in you. He's here in me. What do we care about little devils? Dumb, defeated, dark, blind, evil, wicked, twisted, on their way to hell, devils. We are the sons of God. We got the matchless name of Jesus. At that name, every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess. What does it matter? But see, if you get obsessed with it and you get to thinking, ooh, I think they made a chant. I think they put a curse on me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Come on, help me out. Help me out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they're doing some stuff. Can have no effect on you unless you fear it. Unless you get in fear about it. That's a word for somebody tonight. It doesn't matter. What if there's a devil? What if there's 95? <laughs> it doesn't matter when the greater one is here. 
Verse 3, long time they abode, speaking boldly in the Lord. He gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. When there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. What's going on? We know what that is. It's a messenger of Satan. Stirring up trouble. They were aware of it and they fled unto Lystra and Derby. Cities of Lycaonia, that is Galatia. That's in the region of Galatia. And this is the first time that he's preaching to them. And there, what'd they do? What'd they do? They preached the good news. They preached the gospel. They're going to let a couple of confused people and mad and upset people and demon or two stop them? No. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. And the same heard Paul speak, and steadfastly beholding him. And Paul, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, Paul stood up and said with a loud voice, with pus running out of his eyes. (laughs) Brother, you got to have faith to be healed. See, this stuff doesn't agree. He's calling on this man to jump up and have faith to be healed. And he's got all this stuff running out of his eyes. No, uh-uh, no, no. The man went night and day. How can you be in such a sick, diseased condition? Travel like he did. Do all the things he did. Nope. That's people twisting the scriptures. Making it say something it never said. He said, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And how about this messenger of Satan? He went. (laughs) All of his stirring up and lying and deceiving and causing people to talk and yeah, yeah, meant nothing. Paul preached the gospel. They heard it. Miracles are happening. What you going to do about it? He didn't quit. He tries to do something about it. Keep reading. You can see why the Lord, why Paul was asking the Lord to make this thing stop. Because it was annoying. And the people saw what Paul had done. They lifted up their voices and they said in the speech of Lycaonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. So they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. They said, we got, we got Jupiter and Mercurius down here with us. So the priest of Jupiter which was before their city, he brought oxen and garlands and he was going to do sacrifice to them. And when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard it, they tore their clothes and they ran in among the people and they cried. They said, sirs, why do you these things? We're men of like passions with you. We preach that you should turn from these vanities to the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. In times past, he suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he's not left himself without witnessing that he did good. And he gave us rain from heaven. Fruitful seasons filled our hearts with good and food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained the people that they had done sacrifice to them. And there came there certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, places they had been previously. These people paid their own way to come over there and see if they could cause their problems. And they persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. 
Did anything happen when Paul first came to preach to them that would have made a fellow weak in the flesh? That could have affected his eyes? When a person is stoned, the primary target is the head. These people are something of experts in the area of stoning. You remember reading in Jesus' time before he went, before he was caught up. I mean, he'd say something wrong and it said that they tried to stone him. I guess they carried rocks with them. I don't know. They, <laughs> maybe they practiced at home. They, this is a stoning bunch. But they always seem to have rocks on hand and are ready to throw them. Do you think they stopped before they thought he was dead? They didn't mean to hurt him. They meant to kill him. Put an end to him. And they're stirred on by the devil himself. They're in this murderous rage. They want to kill him. And so they're flinging these rocks. And they're throwing these rocks. And these rocks are hitting Paul. They're hitting him in the chest. They're hitting him in the head. They're hitting him in the eyes. Did you hear me? And they hit him so much and so hard that he's on the ground not moving a muscle. And they've stoned people before. And they're sure he's dead. And everything indicates that he was. Actually. Or, you know, very near dead. He was so close that they couldn't tell. Verse 20. The disciples stood round about him. What are they doing? They must not have been crying going, Paul, oh man, I knew he shouldn't have come here. No, I don't think that's what they were doing. They must have been believing God. They must have been speaking to him. They must have been calling on the Lord. What do you think? Because while they're standing around, he got up. I can see that God's grace is sufficient. It is all that he needed. He got up. And they got out of that town quick as they could. Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. The next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Keep reading. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned. To where? Lystra. Iconium. Antioch. Where he got stoned. He went right back. What's the devil doing? Why won't he quit? Why would he get scared like other people? Never come back. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. Now these are the people that the letter to the Galatians is addressed to. And he said in Galatians 4.13 at the first time he preached to them and he had this infirmity, this weakness in his flesh and they would have pulled out their own eyes. That's this right here. That's it. And uh They came back to those cities confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God.
Now here's the thing. Why would we suppose that these injuries from this stoning that these expert stoners considered fatal, why would we assume that all his injuries were instantaneously healed? We know he was raised up, but I have scripture that indicates that they were not instantaneously healed. Why would you say that? You're here in Acts. Go over to the 16th chapter. They were thrown in jail. You remember that? Verse 23, they midnight, they praised and sang praises. Prior to this, they've been beaten and whipped. And the earthquake shook that place and everybody's chains fell off and keeper of the prison came in and Paul said, don't hurt yourself. And he sprang in and he said, what must I do to be saved? He told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved in your house. And, and so verse 32, all that were in his house believed the word and they took them that same hour of the night and they did what? They washed their stripes. Now they just had a miracle earthquake that shook that jail. Now this is some earthquake. The building doesn't collapse, but everybody's handcuffs fall off. Everybody's chains fall off, anklets, wristbands, and the doors come open, but the building doesn't collapse. This is a supernatural earthquake. And yet, they're not instantaneously healed of the lacerations and things that they got from being whipped earlier before they were thrown in the cell. Go to Galatians again. Galatians 6. And 17. Now this is the same book now. That the fourth chapter of Galatians is in. (laughs) That we started out just a few minutes ago. Correct? And uh, he winds up in this. At the end of the chapter. He sums up some things by saying this. Verse 17. From henceforth let no man trouble me. For I what? I bear in my body. The marks of the Lord Jesus. Listen to Young's literal translation. The scars of the Lord Jesus in my body I do bear. The Amplified says, I bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, the wounds, the scars, and other outward evidence of persecutions. These testify of his ownership of me. How do you get scars? From things healing up naturally. And he had the scars. I submit to you. The first time he came and preached to them. He had something that would make a fellow weak in the flesh. He was stoned. What would he have looked like a few days after this stoning. If all of these bruises and lacerations weren't healed. Miraculously and instantaneously. You ever been hit hard with a rock or something like that? What happens? Oh man. Blue, yellow, swelling. And what if you'd been hit with rocks all over your body? Especially to your head. And just days after that happened, he goes back and preaches to them. And he's standing there. Blue, yellow. (laughs) Do you see it? Eyes swelled up. Mouth, you know, lacerated. 
And he stood there and preached to them with all his heart, without fear for his life. Don't you know these people that had been in bondage to worshiping idols and all that junk for generations before? They're standing there seeing how much this man loves them, seeing how much God loves them, that he had come back to them to help build them up and encourage them and stabilize them. And he can't half see out of his eyes and he can't half talk and they're having to hold him up some. He's not sick. He's not diseased. The man's been stoned. And they'd have pulled their eyes out and given them to him. Where are the answers to Bible questions? In the Bible. Did Paul have a thorn in the flesh? Yeah. Figure of speech. Did he have a weakness in his flesh? Not a figure of speech. He literally had some weaknesses. But here's the good news. You in Galatians? Go back to the second chapter. No, excuse me, I'm, I'm moving too quick. Go to Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Second Timothy three. Did you hear the the word we saw earlier? This is a word for the night. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need to get through this overcome this, to beat this. My grace is all you need. Let me read this to you before we read 2 Timothy. 2 Corinthians 1. He said, I would not have you ignorant of our trouble that came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver in whom we trust he will yet deliver us. There's no defeat in this man. And 2 Timothy says it this way. 2 Timothy 3 and 11. 2 Timothy 3 and 11. He said I want you to know these persecutions. These afflictions that came to me. Where'd they come to him? At Antioch and where else? Iconium. We just got through reading about it. At Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all. Oh, hallelujah. Out of them all. The Lord delivered me. Out of them all. And the next verse. Next verse. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. Ophthalmia? Diseases? Sicknesses? No, it's not that. People have twisted the scriptures to make it say these things. No, you'll suffer what? Persecution. We're not redeemed from persecution. Oh, but what we do have is His grace. <laughs> and His grace is sufficient. His grace is all we need. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise you, Lord. Lift up your hands and give him thanks. Let's thank the Lord for his wonderful grace, his matchless, exceeding abundantly, above what we need, grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're more than enough. You're all I need and more. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries, 
and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.